Please, God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. The first warm Virginia evening in spring of my first year at seminary, I arrived in the historic chapel a few minutes before Evensong. I came early so I could get my preferred place in the worn seats of the choir stalls up front. When I walked in, I saw the cloud. My seminary's old chapel was not my favorite building. A hodgepodge of architectures and styles, the building was historic, but I thought it was ugly. Fraying red carpet, mismatched wood, bad acoustics, strange layout. I didn't like the chapel. And thankfully, three years ago, Virginia Seminary consecrated a new chapel. The historic building burned down during my senior year. I swear I didn't have anything to do with the fire. However, I will confess I didn't mourn the loss. On that particular evening, though, my first year of seminary, the old chapel played host to one of the most strangely beautiful sights I have ever seen. We didn't use incense much at Virginia Seminary. We, historically, were the seminary that emphasized the word Protestant in the fully incorporated name of the Protestant Episcopal Church. When the chapel burned down, several students wondered whether the ghosts of our more low-church predecessors had been angered by the Catholic worship that had been happening in their old house of worship, their old house of prayer. Incense wasn't common at Virginia Seminary, but on Thursday evenings, a group of us gathered to chant evening prayer. Chant and incense seemed to go together. The incense that particular evening, maybe by some trick of the atmosphere or the air conditioning, was hanging in a six-inch thick cloud about seven feet up off the ground. The air above and below looked completely clear. It was as if the smoke sat on an invisible shelf. The cloud hung above above our heads and over the altar as we intoned the Magnificat and the Nuc Dimittis the ancient hymns of evening prayer. The light shifted through the service, the setting sun slowly lifting the angle of the beams, until right as we sang our final prayers, the colors of the stained glass window refracted through the cloud, causing a rainbow to appear in the smoke. The sight was inexplicably beautiful. I've never had a stronger image for the cloud described just before the verses we have today from Kings. King Solomon stands before the great fiery altar. He's come to consecrate his new temple, the first temple in Jerusalem. Moments before, the priest carried the Ark of the Covenant with the tablets of Moses into the Holy of Holies. The first book of Kings describes that a thick cloud filled the sanctuary. God has chosen to dwell with the people Israel. God's name will rest in the inner sanctuary. What a sight the writer of Kings describes. But the cloud isn't the biggest surprise in this reading. God's presence isn't the big surprise. The big surprise in this bit of scripture comes with Solomon's declaration. The king has just built the most expensive and elaborate building in the history of his people. He's constructed a house for God of gold and cedar, and it seems God's presence has agreed to dwell therein. 
But listen again to Solomon's words. But how could God possibly live on earth? If heaven and the highest heaven can't contain you, how can this temple that I've built contain you? Solomon seems to question the whole enterprise, the whole expense. He goes on. He asks God to bless the immigrant who hears of the temple and comes to pray here. In the tribal society of Israel, this would have seemed like madness. The temple was meant to be the marking that God belongs to Israel, has decided to dwell with Israel, blesses a particular people in a particular place, But Solomon reinterprets the temple. As the prophet Isaiah would state later, my house shall be a house of prayer for all people. The temple is not just for insiders. The faith is not just for insiders. We're in a place in our life as a parish where we are talking about our mission, our vision, and yes, our building. We've already begun some minor construction Before you leave today, sneak a peek at the new wood floors, the newly restored wood floors. Mitchell Hall will open just in a couple weeks. In the coming months, you'll see drawings, and you'll hear asks if you might want to be part of reshaping this worship space. At the same time, the vestry are asking questions about our direction as a congregation. Where is God inviting us in the next five years, in the next 150 What is all of this for, all of this? The faith, the prayers, the music, the community, the building, what is it all for? Why do we come to church? Why do we pay to light and heat such a place? There's a descriptor for Holy Communion that predates my coming as rector. I'm not thinking of holy commotion, though I do like that one. The phrase that I'm thinking of is used to describe our building. I've heard a number of folks call Holy Communion a community center for University City. In many ways, that's true. All sorts of folks come to Holy Communion throughout the week to stitch quilts and stand together in a circle and say, I'm an alcoholic, to sing, to take music lessons, to read books. The house we own back behind us and renovated together last year now serves as a home for graduates of the Magdalene program for women who have survived sex trafficking and addiction. We are a center for the community to come and find friendship, to celebrate, to learn, to find healing. In recent years, we have learned to take community out beyond our walls. We invite friends and family members to talk over big questions in the upstairs room of a pub for Theology Untapped. You'd be amazed how often someone comes to me and says, I'm bringing my son or I'm bringing my cousin this month. They're not really a church person, but they'd love to have a good beer and a good conversation about faith and ethics. This past week, we had the most successful laundry love event yet. Our neighbors did over 100 loads of laundry. Our volunteers coordinated the madness down there at Classic Coin, and your contributions provided the quarters the soap and the dryer sheets. But most importantly for Laundry Love, we had over 20 volunteers show up to play with kids, help pass out pizza and cookies, to plug in quarters and pour soap into the machines. If you come to volunteer, you should know there's a lot of standing around at Laundry Love. 
If that surprises you, well, remember that you're working in a laundromat. Standing around is part of the deal. For the 45 minutes or so the machine is running, you're stuck. But the standing around is a part of the miracle. Standing around gives you time to talk to people you don't know. Standing around means that every time I show up, I tend to have a really great conversation, meet a new neighbor, neighbor, maybe make a new friend. We build community a standing around washing machines and dryers once a month. We're working on building community with folks in El Salvador, with students of the Rockwell House campus ministry that serves WashU, SLU, and other college campuses in St. Louis. We've partnered for years with the Trinity Episcopal Church Food Ministry. A group of volunteers from Holy Communion makes regular trips to visit kids in detention centers through the Episcopal City Mission. We help celebrate birthdays that otherwise would not be celebrated. All of this work is wonderful, but it's not enough on its own. All of this work is great. And if we were simply a community center, we could get a big star. But it's not all. All of this work comes with a conviction. It's a belief shared by King Solomon. God's presence fills this house of prayer. But no building can contain God. No box is big enough. God is already out there ahead of us. God is already in classic coin laundromat. God can be glimpsed in the laughter of the kids, the smiles of neighbors, and a surprising conversation with someone new. God is already out there at Dressel's Pub. God is already out there ahead of us, in our workplaces, in our schools, in the streets. God is even in the community meetings of University City, if you can believe that. God has a stake in what happens in our world. God dreams of a world that is more loving, more generous, more equitable, more just. God is not just the God of the insiders, of those who frequent the inside of this space. God hears the cry of the immigrant, of the foreigner, and of those who have been redlined into substandard housing. God invites us to behave differently. God invites us to see the humanity of our neighbors and the human history of racism, sexism, classism, and other forms of discrimination that have left us with inequity and distrust in our neighborhood, our city, our nation, and our world. God hears the cry of all of those, all of those who have given up on the church. God is with those who have been betrayed, bullied, belittled, and abused by institutions. God is already there standing with them. God will not be silent. The church should not be either. I'm proud to serve with a church that does not treat faith as a private matter, does not treat church as simply a building. Our faith is not just for us. Our God does not stay put in a house of worship, no matter how pretty we make it. Our faith is a faith that invites us again and again to embrace the immigrant, to question the boundary lines between insiders and outsiders. Our faith invites us to open our doors to all sorts and categories of people. Our faith invites us to go out, to march in LGBTQ pride parades and political protests. 
As my friend, the Reverend Amy Butler says, sometimes protest is prayer. Our God invites us to show up when the wider community asks big questions of equity and justice. The cloud of smoke is an odd mystical image. I won't say I definitively saw God's presence all those years ago in Virginia Seminary's ugly old chapel. I can't ever quite bottle up the meaning of all that smoke. I'm with Solomon this morning. I think no one building, no one experience, however miraculous, no one scripture, no one community can ever fully capture God. But with Solomon, I pray that this building, this community can point in the right direction. With Solomon, I'm willing to invest in a building and in a particular community. I'm willing to invest in a way of praying. With Solomon, I hope we can point to a God who is bigger than our church, a God who invites us all to work for justice with the outsiders, a God who invites us to be more generous and more loving. Amen.